0: and welcome to Ask the Expert, presented by the National Resource Center on ADHD. My name is Karen Sampson-Hoffman, and I'd like to welcome you to to today's webcast, Understanding Girls with ADHD. The National Resource Center is a partnership between CHAD and the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, and serves as the national clearinghouse for the latest evidence-based information on ADHD. It is a privilege to introduce today's guest expert, Dr. Ellen Littman. Dr. Littman is a clinical psychologist and has been involved with the field of attention disorders for more than 27 years. She's a noted pioneer in identifying gender differences in ADHD with a particular expertise with issues affecting women and girls. She specializes in identifying and treating complex presentations of ADHD that may be misinterpreted or overlooked. Once more, we are very pleased to welcome this afternoon's guest expert.
1: Thank you, Karen. And uh, hi, everybody. I'm going to talk about girls because they are under-recognized and therefore they're understudied and therefore they're misunderstood and therefore they're misdiagnosed and mistreated. Finally, there is an awareness that there are gender differences in the expression of ADHD, even if the symptoms themselves don't differ by gender. And we're just starting to recognize that the impact and the outcomes for girls are quite different than those of boys. So it's essential that we do everything we can to understand their lives, so that girls no longer suffer in silence. And before I get started, I just want to tell you that I tend to use the term ADD interchangeably with ADHD. The official name of the uh, disorder is ADHD, uh, whether or not hyperactivity is present. Back in the day. Uh, the official name was ADD, and uh, that's why I tend to use it a lot. And it is um, one syllable shorter, so it's faster. So I may use them interchangeably, but you'll know that I am speaking about both um, ADHD with hyperactivity and ADHD without hyperactivity. Okay, onward. Why are uh, girls uh underdiagnosed. Um clinics report that women uh are being diagnosed more often than girls. In fact, um in clinics it's uh, one to one men to women. Um and women self-refer. But the ratio of boys to girls being diagnosed in clinics is still about four to one. So that means that we're still missing a lot of girls. And That's obviously a problem, and here are some of the reasons why. ADHD is a product of its history. In the beginning of the last century, parents were struggling to manage hyperactive, impulsive children. Unmanageable girls in the Victorian age um, were a source of shame, and they were not taken to clinics. And predominantly, young white boys were referred to clinics. And studies analyzed this clinic data, and diagnostic criteria based on this research um, is what became uh, what's in our DSM, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual that we use to diagnose. But it describes really hyperactive young boys. And so our knowledge of girls with ADD was based on the girls who looked most like hyperactive boys. Uh, since they were the only ones who could be diagnosed. Even today's research uh, includes only those diagnosed by uh, the recent criteria, which is still on um, symptoms that are easily observed and categorized. And many rating scales are still skewed towards activity level and observable symptoms. We really need to self-report scales to um, get at these more internalized symptoms. And research uh, suggests that there is still a bias in terms of some uh, more inattentive girls being less disruptive and so less likely to be referred. And as a result, girls are still significantly underrepresented in the literature. They're about 2% of the focus of ADD research, so they're 50% of the population, which is be scary statistics. Uh, And today, for many, ADHD still means hyperactivity or learning problems. Um, So they aren't thinking about um, what an inattentive girl might look like. So there are some um, unique factors that make girls' experience completely different. Um, and the first one is really not well known at all of the um the importance of estrogen. Um, estrogen is a hormone that affects cognition and mood and sleep, and uh, the brain is one of the target organs for it, and the symptoms that girls experience are uh, they really blossom when estrogen starts coming into their system so They appear less symptomatic in elementary school, and as they approach puberty, you see more and more symptoms. But up until uh, about a year and a half ago, uh, the diagnosis had an age seven cutoff criteria. If you didn't show symptoms by age seven, you couldn't be diagnosed. And um, most girls did not show symptoms that early and, hence, could not be diagnosed. So whereas boys symptoms tend to decrease towards puberty and they become sort of less hyperactive, um, not that all boys are hyperactive. Um, girls' symptoms just start really blossoming around puberty, and by age 15, 16, you really start seeing um, the symptoms. Uh, so it's very hard, but even now the cutoff has been uh, changed to age 12, and it still eliminates a lot of girls, especially the ones who compensate the best, which is not to say that they suffer the least. And there's greater emotional reactivity when estrogen is low. So when you have fluctuating levels, as um, all females do throughout the month uh, and during the PMS week when it's very low, it wreaks havoc with um, uh, their ability to self-regulate. Uh, and they look highly symptomatic and very moody and uh you know so this is this is something that most people are not aware of and it, and it i mean it's a huge piece of the picture of ADD symptoms for girls and obviously not for boys in addition there is the general um likelihood that um girls are more likely to have the inattentive type of ADD which uh, was not even considered um as a possibility until nineteen eighty and uh you know they don't look overtly symptomatic in ways that are distressing to others so um it, it just doesn't attract the same kind of attention then there's the piece about societal expectations uh which are so different for our girls um uh, at a very early age girls do begin to internalize uh, the demands of society, which which still supports the feminine obligation to accommodate others' needs and be passively compliant and to be cooperative and to be neat and organized. And most girls uh, feel compelled to strive for these ideals, even though they call upon just the executive functions that perform so unreliably in the ADHD brain. So if they're really poorly wired for these things, and yet they, they uh, feel terrible about themselves if they um, can't conform. In addition, uh, girls are more than boys. Uh, for uh, girls, peer interactions are a really powerful determinants of their self-worth. Um, ADD makes it difficult for them to comply with the unique demands of girls' relationships. So missing a subtle social cue or losing track of a fast-paced um, conversation can result in harsh negative feedback. And uh, while boys often externalize their frustration, girls craving social acceptance try to hide their differences and appear to conform And this, this becomes almost an obsession in terms of uh, uh, hiding. And uh, they internalize their feelings um, because it's part of hiding. No one will know about this. And it's the defense mechanism of choice to keep their confusion and their shame a secret. So for most girls, there's constant anxiety about being judged as inadequate and uh, fearful of rejection. And there's a lot of depressive feelings when they perceive themselves as underachievers and it is uh demoralizing to work so much harder for so much longer to have less success than their peers um, and uh the research says that problems with uh peers and chronic peer rejection increases the risk for future problems um, and especially low self esteem and what we're finding is that um negative outcomes for girls are much more serious uh, than for boys. Uh it and we're finding that the uh, degree to which they uh, engage in self harm and suicide attempts is far greater than for boys or for girls without, uh, without ADD. um without A D D. maybe for uh, health self harm of five times uh control girls and suicide attempts four times for control girls. Um, so that those are numbers that can't be ignored and we're trying to understand why that is. Some of the newest research of just a couple of months old says that uh, girls who have been exposed to early chronic trauma, so meaning um, neglect over a period of time or any kind of abuse uh, are at a greater risk for self injury. Uh, eating disorders and suicidality than those who are not mistreated, and by adolescence, one quarter of those girls with ADD will report having some further kind of trauma uh, versus only 11% of the control girls. So we're finding out that um, that environmental factors like socially adverse conditions can influence the neurobiology. So this is. Um, you know, yet another piece that we have never factored in but we're gonna factor in now. Okay, so um girls also have a pattern of um impairments that's really quite different um than boys. Uh when many people think of problems um in school when they think of A D D and they you know, worry about school achievement, but the reality is that it affects every possible aspect of life, and um, and there are much greater psychological risks uh, that come with ADD, and there are a lot of physiological things happening inside girls' bodies that are impossible for them to ignore. And they have to contend with those before they can even begin to process information from the external environment. And so it's, it's only now that uh, emotional reactivity is being considered a core symptom of ADD. Before, the impairments due to ADD were considered cognitive impairments. And if there were uh, issues with um, mood and emotionality, that was considered uh, part of some other kinds of problems, and girls will often identify as having those other kinds of problems. Um uh, but now we're finding that that is not just a symptom, it's one of the core symptoms. Um, and for girls, but not boys, there is the added volatility, um, from the fluctuating hormone levels that I discussed. So, girls can be both, uh, hypersensitive, um, and which is not the same as being too sensitive, it's just that that's how their systems are wired, and they are hyper reactive, um to, uh, whatever, uh, is stimulating in the environment, and they are also prone to sensory overload, so that, that, there's a narrow window where they're comfortable emotionally, and there's a lot of volatility. Uh, and, uh, the, the sense of self uh, is, is just gets poorer over time. Conforming does not come naturally to these girls and they can feel like imposters as they struggle to look like everyone else. Um, they are often ashamed and avoidant and they judge themselves harshly relative to their peers. Um, and In fact, uh, research even said that their peers tolerate higher levels of AVD symptoms from boys than from girls. So again, that gender appropriateness piece is part of this as well. Um, And um, and it is true that um, girls are hard on other girls who um, do violate those societal roles. Uh, Another thing that um, occurs very much with girls, uh, and even more than boys, is um, somatic complaints, all sorts of body complaints, and one of them being tactile defensiveness, which is um, not wanting to be touched, feeling a little too sensitive, often feeling like people touch them too much or not in the way they want to be touched. And um, I often uh, speak to mothers who feel terrible and rejected because their daughters don't want to be hugged or kissed or, you know... Um, And, you know, they push them away or they, um, you know, get sort of rigid when um, someone tries to hug them. And it feels very personal, obviously, and very upsetting, but that is actually just a a physiological uh, sensitivity and something, again, in the uh, self-regulation realm that they just can't quite uh, get comfortable with. And, in fact, they're uh sensitive to all sorts of environmental things. They have more allergies, more asthma, more rashes, very often headaches, stomach aches, feeling nauseous in the morning. Uh, they, you know, have a lot of trouble sleeping, um and are just sensitive to sounds, um uh, and uh intense tastes and odors, uh temperatures. Uh so these are all things that, it, that uh, you know, are being assaulted by their environment, um, but that's sort of invisible to people who have no trouble processing it. So then, you know, you might just say something to them as, while they've been struggling with while some discomfort um, in their environment, and then they may snap at you, and you won't necessarily know that... Um, their systems were dealing with an accumulation of different kinds of assaults that you might not have been aware of um and uh the idea of external locus of control, which is um the idea that things happen to them, whether it's fate or luck, rather than them feeling um Uh, an internal locus of control, which is, um, you know, I decide what happens to me and I can affect change in my life. And, again, much more so for girls, they feel like they don't have that ability to affect change in their lives. Especially after puberty, we find that that sense of uh, internal locus of control sort of segues into an external locus of control. As we move towards puberty, and that's a really upsetting thing as well. Um, you know, the AVD brain struggles to regulate its responses to the environment, and some impulsive brains overreact uh, more often, and more inattentive brains tend to underreact. But regardless of which end of the continuum it veers towards, it rarely ends up with a response that's in the middle of the bell curve. So this really explains how very impulsive girls and very inattentive girls can look so very different from one another and yet both have um ADD. So I'm just going over the the differences in what you might end up uh seeing. Uh find that um, so you know the inattentive girls can appear uh, passive and not necessarily engaged, and uh, uh, they process information slowly, and they may have uh, uh, expressive or receptive language problems, but not necessarily. That's often suspected for, for central auditory processing problems, which certainly can be there. But... Um, there's just a lot of uh internal and external distraction that they processing so very slowly. And uh these girls are are very fearful of humiliation and uh don't want to uh uh volunteer in class and uh when they start to feel frustrated they tend to shut down. They don't want to be the center of attention. Um uh, you know, again, a problem in a classroom if you don't want to volunteer an answer because you might be wrong. Um and uh they're very reject rejection rejection sensitive. So um you know whether or not uh there is rejection you know they after a period of time most of the they they start to, you know, be really fearful of that and expect rejection. Um and uh so these are the girls where the teacher will say, um, good students, good grades, but doesn't participate in class and, and, you know, doesn't, as a result, doesn't work up to their potential. Also, um, you know, they may be uh, sort of uh, doing okay academically, but it may just be assumed that they're just an average student rather than the fact that there are all these other things that are making them um, not. Uh, able to really engage in the classroom and show who they are. And on the other hand, we have the combined type girls, uh, and uh, these are the girls who, um, you know, are are the what they call the chatty ones, and their desks are always being moved in class uh, because they have their uh, uh, giggling and uh gossiping and uh interrupting others, and these are the things that they are identified for uh by teachers um They can be very precocious and um, you know sometimes come up with ideas for a group in a, a very uh a charismatic way um but they are even more emotionally reactive and there's a lot of mercurial feelings of being really silly and then really angry and then crying, a lot of uh, drama and slamming of doors and, you know, I hate you um, and I'm sorry. Um, And uh, some of these girls can be um, a a bottomless pit of... uh, and demand, and uh, they, they, they may feel manipulative, uh, but it's not. I mean, it's really uh, their brains just saying that we don't have the kind of stimulation we need or more, um, but that isn't necessarily how it's going to feel and, uh, to you or come across. Um, so this just gives you an idea. I think may all know about the differences of the two types. So um, some of the common experiences uh, for girls um, is you know that they they really they need limits, but they resent your supervision. They really need structure, but they resent the rules. They need reminders, but they resent the nagging. They need help self-monitoring, but they resent feeling dependent and they're drawn to risky behaviors but they resent the warning and they're drawn to addictive behaviors but believe they're in control and they need objective input but they resist treatment if it's at the parents' behest um, and uh you know there are a lot of areas where essentially it looks like they're arguing with with you, um, but I mean, really, there. As I'm saying, that they they need some of those things, and part of them knows they need those things, but um, there's the other more impulsive part of them that uh, fights against it. And while it may look like the, uh, the argument is between you and them, it's often between them and their brains. Um, and uh, unfortunately, as they start feeling worse about themselves, you know, they, they, they do start second-guessing themselves and censoring what they say um, and uh, feeling bad about themselves. And very often, they get into a distorted body image, no matter what they look like. Um, if they compare themselves to others and are not happy with how they look. And then they become willing sometimes to accept invalidation from others to get into unhealthy relationships um, in their desire to just be uh, you know in connection with somebody that they will accept it if they are not being treated as respectfully as uh, one would like, but at least they're being included, and uh, you know that becomes a problem as well. Uh, But then the, the what we're finding is that the risks of impulsivity um, create more of a problem. Um, now, in their defense, it has also in research, clearly shows that we've discovered that the area of the brain that is involved in impulse control in the prefrontal cortex is not fully myelinized or completely... Um, uh, ready for action until the very late twenties. So, um our expectation that, you know, a sixteen year old is going to show good judgment is just uh, some uh, oxymoron to that idea. Um, and um since it's it's the last portion of their brain to fully develop, I mean just uh, questionable judgment is sort of developmentally appropriate. Um uh, but on the other hand, um, there was a very famous experiment in 1970, the marshmallow experiment, uh, where, uh, uh, three to five year olds were given one marshmallow and they said, if you don't touch it for five minutes, you'll get a second marshmallow. And they just watched kids to see what they would do. And they then followed those kids, um, and they have discovered that the kids who were able to inhibit their impulses and not um first marshmallow have um ended up having more successful lives. So it's really um it it's it's important we're just starting to do we're just finding that out about those uh those kids from nineteen seventy and uh so we really want to understand uh the role that impulsivity has in interfering with uh one's goal. Uh, because those people had better life outcomes in all areas. Um, So this is about problems with inhibiting behavior, stopping a behavior or a plan. They can't shift their attention quickly enough to change course, Um, and so they tend to choose immediate gratification over long-term but larger rewards. Uh, another thing that we've learned is about the dopamine reward center of the brain. And um, that's literally, you know, an area of the brain that is seeking more dopamine and dopa, that accessible dopamine is, believed uh has a relationship to um, ADD symptoms. And uh we're finding that especially things that give an intense quick shot of dopamine, uh, to the brain, that's particularly reinforcing. And, uh, you know, what we're finding is that the, all of the things that can supply that um, are not necessarily uh, things that you want to reinforce, whether it's um, uh, substances, you know, alcohol or drugs or cigarettes or um, sex or um, some, there are some good things, competition and sports will raise uh, dopamine, uh, but a lot of the things that, you, know, is, you know, driving really fast, uh, gambling, uh, is, all these things are and, and video games are um, incredibly reinforcing to uh, that area of the brain. And if it does sort of ring the bell in the reward center, um, it's going to be reinforced and more likely to, um, to happen. So, uh, those who um, really have that more impulsive piece uh, are the ones who are even, uh, you know, more sensitive to that happening. And so, those are also um, the girls that require um, you know, more supervision, whether they like it or not. Um, uh, because they also, these girls are trying to seek uh, acceptance in some way. And so very often it's uh, in some kind of hyper social behavior. If they can't um, conform to the regular rules, they can find the other kids who are all, uh, you know, smoking outside of the school or, you know, or getting high somewhere. And, uh, so these are some of the things that really have to be watched. Uh, they often, um, get into, uh, early sexual behaviors and, um, STs and uh, STDs and, early pregnancies. But there's, there's, uh, there's, and this is also much more likely for the, um, impulsive group, uh, addictive behaviors. And, uh, disorders, um, and uh, very quickly about eating disorders, indeed. the ADD brain does not um, does not get the right messages about how it metabolizes uh, glucose. So, it, it always tells you that it needs more glucose for energy, uh, even though it has enough glucose. So, what it's telling um, girls with ADD is that... Um, Something to convert into glucose, either sugar or some sort of carb. So um, literally, the the brain is saying, "Please don't eat a salad. We are not the least bit interested in salads. You really have to have pasta or bread or uh, you know a bagel." Um, And so girls, you know, are drawn to these kinds of carbs. And you know, you're having terrible conversations about. You don't want to gain weight. You don't want to eat that. Um, but um, just to say that there's actually a physiological reason that they are drawn to that and not um the character that we have already appealed to them. Um and so what we but the most important thing is we're finding that um these are the girls who are most likely to act on those feelings of desperation that I was discussing earlier. So um the risk uh for self harm and suicidality for the girls with um, impulsivity were much, much higher than for inattentive girls, with, and of course those higher than for um, uh One of my areas of special interest for me is the um, high IQ um, inattentive girls, because um, these are the, the girls that are least likely to ever be identified as having a DIG um and don't you know, worried about really missing them um there's there's such a a huge disparity if, between intellectual um functioning which can be like three years beyond their peers. And social-emotional functioning in the world of ADD, um, you know, developmental legs, we usually think of it as about three years um, 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 behind their peers. So if you think about the intellectually three years beyond and um, social-emotional three years uh, behind, we're talking about a six-year um, discrepancy between levels of functioning in a young child. That's um, That's just immense. Um and you know, there's there's tremendous social stressors and uh involved with that and, and it's hard for anyone to make sense of. Um, you know, they may be more intellectually drawn to converse with adults, but they might prefer to uh, play with younger children and they're gonna look emotionally immature and they're not gonna feel like they really fit anywhere. Um in, in addition, you know they get the message um, that uh, there, you know, that there is success that is uh, tied to um, uh, a high IQ and and being successful in school, and then that becomes part of their identity, and then their their shame about not succeeding um, is is even more intense. Uh, than other girls because, you know, they're like, but I'm really smart and, um, I can't understand why I can't do this and people who are not as smart are having no trouble doing this. So, um, though they struggle with these kinds of conundrums and, uh, really don't know how to label themselves, uh, um, and it's so shameful they don't really ask for help, Um and it's like their horrible secret, um, and, uh, what they do is they learn to compensate really well, but compensating, uh, masks the symptoms of ADD. Uh, they often become perfectionistic, um, and become like hyper vigilant about not making a mistake. And, and, and that's a, uh, it requires them to be really rigid and they tend to spend extra hours on their homework and late at night and they, you know, but they have to make sure that, um, you know, that, that their facade is um, intact and they look good in school. Um, but it's exhausting, and it's exhausting to hide and fear that they'll be discovered as an imposter uh, because they're they're working so hard at it and often paralyzed by fears of humiliation. So they uh, tend to avoid social situations, and they, they think that no one will really understand them. Um, and uh, it, they, since they're not asking for help, um, you know, it's it's it, it's a catch-22 because they they look really successful and they feel like they're succeeding, but it's at such a high cost, and no one knows um, the struggle that they're dealing with, and so um, their life continues that way, and and they're living with a secret. So, um, it's just another level of uh, struggle on top of of girls in general um, having dates. So, um, how can parents help? Um, Some of these things, um, you know, you've heard and read in magazines and books, um, and I'll go quickly over that and and maybe some of the things you haven't. With most of the families that I see, I never have to say, you're not doing enough for your daughter, but I often have to say, you might be doing too much. Loving, involved parents who educate themselves about A, B, C, and I imagine a lot of you are listening to this right now, are sensitive to their daughter's struggles and attuned to their frustrations, and they want to help them. Um, and naturally you want to try to insulate them from potential frustration and pain. And if the issue is that it's a really challenging tightrope walk to figure out um, how you can pre- protect them from overwhelming difficulties but still allow them to build up their frustration tolerance and learn to creatively problem-solve for themselves. If you intervene too often, intervention becomes part of their definition of love not the worst thing to have as part of your definition of love, but it creates dependency at the same time. And there is um, an unspoken message that I do this for you because you can't really do it for yourself. And that becomes um, an unintended piece of their identity. So figuring out um, that balance, uh, is difficult and really difficult because developmentally as they change, um they, you know, where the tightrope is, uh, changes as well. It's, um it's not an easy road, to piece walk. But the goal is to breed confidence and independence and, um help them solve problems with the way their brains are wired and teach them The activities of daily living and let them enjoy the mastery of feeling competent. I I just work with many um, young girls who then go off to college and uh, have never done their own laundry and have never uh, written a check and have uh, you know there's a lot they have never you know had to wake up by themselves in the morning and there are all sorts of things that uh, it becomes a steep learning curve. so it's uh, teaching them uh, these things gradually um is the only way that they'll be ready to uh, launch when the time comes and um teaching them everything that they that that they can know about ADD and anything else that interferes with their learning so they can advocate for themselves um instead of you doing it that's another thing that gradually needs to be transferred to them and they should learn how their brains work and what situations are uncomfortable for them um, and then i'm sure that you know you know about predictable routines and um how uh, teaching them how to structure things for themselves um, but my strongest uh suggestion is um to consider that the struggles that um, I'm, I'm sure you experience daily with your daughter, um, power struggles which feel very personal and upsetting, are not so much between you and your daughter as between her and her ADD brain. In other words, her intellectual understanding tells her one thing. Like, Mom said I should start my homework now. And she may indeed think that mom is probably right, but then her brain says, no way, that is too boring, uh, I couldn't care less about your homework, and math is really hard, I don't even want to do it, let's look around and find something more stimulating. And then you find her on Instagram or in the snack cabinet, and it seems that, you know, she uh, survived you, but the reality is. On some part of her, (laughs) she has to do her homework, but um, the brain is pretty powerful. And if it says, I can't focus, I will not focus on this, then um, it will not focus on that. So acknowledging to her that you appreciate that the struggle lies within her every moment of every day is incredibly validating. And it puts you and she on the same team. And together, you're going to figure out ways to psych out her brain to get it to comply. And that can definitely be done. Um, When I spoke with a kindergarten girl who had been chastised for standing up during circle time, uh, she told me, I know, I told my tushy to stay on the rug, but it didn't listen to me. And I think that really captures that struggle between um, the person and their brain. Um, and uh, your sensitivity to that struggle, regardless of how intentional her behavior may appear, is something that can be really, really helpful and really, really healing for the relationship between you, which in my opinion is probably the most dangerous. Whether or not you know, you're going to measure up or know what's going on or be uh, you know invited as part of a group, whatever it is, Tremendous anxiety, and that anxiety is secondary to ADD, as opposed to. Um, I mean, it can be a second discrete um, disorder, but very often it's not. Um, and uh, but it is the most observable symptom, and so very, very, very often uh, girls, um, you know, are actually taken in to. to uh, diagnosed, and the symptoms that are most obvious are either anxiety symptoms or depression symptoms or both, and often they're put on, on antidepressants, which uh, really, you know, the entire idea of the underlying ADD is not always um, embraced. So, um, and, but often when dealing with, you know, treating um, ADD, anxiety lessens tremendously. So, um, you know, it, it, it is an issue. This is the most, when I spoke right in the beginning about, um, possible misdiagnoses, I mean, that is the most common one. Um, and, you know, as I said, there can be a separate anxiety disorder, but, um, for girls, they tend to internalize these feelings of anxiety, and it becomes really the bigger struggle for them is, dealing with the anxiety and the depression, um, but it is still secondary to the ADD, and if, if the ADD symptoms can uh, be improved, the anxiety usually improves without treating it uh,
0: Uh, We have a question now from Deborah, and she was wondering if hormone medications such as uh, birth control pills, which can be prescribed for a variety of reasons um, in adolescence and early adulthood, um, can those affect ADHD symptoms throughout the month? Can they change those symptoms or presentation of those symptoms?
1: Excellent question, and the answer is absolutely, Um, and that is something that is um, Commonly done. I'm, I'm not a prescriber of medication, but I, I can say that um, uh, birth control pills do uh, even out um, all of the hormones across the month, and um, that it is really successful in terms of being the emotional reactivity. Not to say that you won't be emotionally reactive, but you won't be um, you know, falling prey to like, just the constant fluctuations and and changes Um, so yes that that absolutely does work
0: well we have a uh, mother of a teenager who is attending a private all girls school and she was wondering what she can do to help prepare her daughter for college, especially when it comes to relationships and safety issues, especially when dating comes up. She doesn't have much experience there, and you mentioned earlier that girls have some unique risks uh, for dating.
1: Because uh, this girl is not exposed to boys that much, it is even helpful to watch movies together and discuss uh, the kinds of behaviors that you see, because um, it's really until um, any girl, any any girl on earth that we have all been there, until you're in the position where you are actually seeing your body respond to um, basically uh, sexual feelings that may not have been in a position to feel before... It can be an overpowering thing, and in in the world of uh, ADD and it being uh, a problem with uh, impulse control, it could be overwhelming. Um, And so she has to at least be learning about that idea now, uh, that because intellectually talking about it is one thing, but then um, you know putting yourself in that position and the desire to please and the, uh, the desire to be accepted being so much more powerful in girls, they um, you know it, it they can really strongly get pulled into something. Um, so I mean, I think that everything that you can do now to try to familiarize her, but not terrorize her, um, and again, it's another tightrope walk because. Uh, but it, you know it, it is sort of uh it is an incomprehensible piece of uh, uh of of hormones in terms of not only how a girls' bodies work but also how uh, boys hormones work and uh uh without having had too much experience with that uh, that can be pretty overwhelming uh but to be really cautious um there's no doubt that uh the number of uh, girls that get uh, pregnant in their first semester of college, or that girls that have ADD, but the percentage is overwhelming compared to control girls, so it's, it really is an issue.
0: Well, thank you. Uh, our next question now is coming from Tara, and she's going back to some Comments you had about how conformity is so hard for girls with ADHD, living up to the expectations, the social cues, and she was wondering why is this difficult for girls with ADHD?
1: Okay, great. It's a great question because um, those behaviors require a really perfect choreography of the executive function. In other words, you have to be able to. Um, organize yourself and sort of prioritize and plan what you're going to do and plan, you know, uh, what you're going to say and, and then make appointments and uh, be on time and listen quietly without, like, tuning out or getting bored um, or interrupting, um, or and then you have to be able to self-monitor and say, well, what did I do and how did they respond to it and and make um, small changes in your behavior, and all of those things are difficult uh, for girls with ADD. And I think it's, you know, the kind of thing where sometimes um, you may be able to, well, those skills are intact, uh, but they, you can't always orchestrate them to work together when you want them to. So um, often, you know. The way they they think that they might respond is not the way they're going to respond, um, and so it ends up that even when they're determined to, you know, um, they say yes to, you know, uh, being in some group, and uh, that they they aren't able to um, then comply with uh, with demands, and uh, and girls can be pretty harsh about that. So it it literally is. Um, Difficult because of their neurology.
0: All right, thank you. Well, we have a question now from Sasha, and she was wondering what should parents know about co-occurring ADHD and autism or autism spectrum disorder in girls. The the thing
1: to, to know is that essentially it's a continuum, um, and these aren't really discrete disorders. We, I mean, they're discrete Essentially, because someone has to make a diagnosis and they put the boundaries around it, but the reality is that um i at one end of um ADD, you see um the girls who are here and um you know, maybe closer to you know a mood disorder um and uh and then at the other end are the girls who are more rigid in their um, presentation, and those are the girls who um, are, you know, and more and more rigid and maybe missing more social cues. Uh, are the ones closer to um, what we used to call Asperger, um, um, and, and that you know now they consider that in the autistic realm. Um, so what I would say is that you know it's it's about um, brain wiring, and you can see those tendencies uh, towards one end or the other. But um, you know most most of the ADD sort of falls in that middle spectrum where um, you know they're struggling with some of each, with some some social uh, problems and some regulation problems, but some uh, girls will to adhere towards one or the other end of the um, spectrum.
0: So our next question now is from Suzanne. And her daughter was recently diagnosed by the pediatrician, and she was wondering what type of doctor should she look for to help her daughter, and does this doctor have to be a psychiatrist?
1: No, there's no reason to um, to work with a psychiatrist um, unless uh, your intention is to... Pursue uh, medication, uh, but even if you are going to pursue medication, it might be better to work with a, um, another uh, kind of professional or other kinds of support. Uh, so, there, are, there. Are, this is a really important area because finding someone who gets it, which I think was on my last slide, is uh, is really a challenge. Uh, and uh different training, people understand things different ways. But you know, you want someone to be able to help and be supportive with the um, social aspects and the um dynamics in the family, which are, you know, a really central issue. Um and psychologists and uh social workers are are, are trained to do that. Um uh, uh You know, you may want someone to help with organizational issues or uh, tutoring. There, there are a lot of different uh, people who can help. Uh, But you know, and I probably uh, err on the side of I'm a psychologist, but psychologists can be very well trained to do that. But I know that um, social workers are too, Um, and uh, and there are psychiatrists who also specialize uh, in ADD. Um and there's also a difference in cost, so there's a lot of different ways to decide, but I think it's about the person's uh, experience of really working at the ADD and really knowing what it looks like in girls, uh, because uh, not that many people have worked with that many girls, and that's the question that you want to be able to ask.
0: All right, well thank you. Well, we have a question now from Maria. So she was wondering if her daughter doesn't want to be hugged, how should she help her daughter? What can she do here? Well,
1: I think that um first of all, being able to communicate about it is an important thing. And um very often what um girls can do is be really specific about the kind of uh a touch that is okay for them and then the kind that is uh is just, uh, you know, too stimulating for them, even though it might not be for other people. So, um, it's, it's great to be able to respect what they're asking, or to even talk about other ways that sort of you can express affection um, that would be okay. Um, it you know, since this is a physiological response, um, you that isn't something that they have control over. They change very much. I mean, a lot of the, a lot of uh, people do learn to tolerate it because it's socially acceptable, uh, but they're often uncomfortable. So I think the best thing to do is to find out what will uh, work for them. And uh, they, I mean, because they do want uh, affection. And, uh, you know, so that it's really, it can be a very poignant problem because people on both sides are feeling like they want uh, greater intimacy. It's just, it's sort of the language that has to be worked out that will um, work between us. All
0: right, well, thank you. Our question now is coming from Paula, and she's referring back to... um, your slide where you discussed that girls may have a higher risk for eating disorders. And she was wondering, are girls with ADD more, pr- more prone to be obsessive over exercise? Exercise, we know, is very good for uh, people. We know that people with ADHD, it's very helpful. But can girls with ADHD overdo it?
1: Yes, it's, it's, um, absolutely. In fact, when I was talking about um, addictive behaviors and um, increasing dopamine in the brain, um there, there's definitely a a, a group of, of girls for whom um exercise um you know, gives them a sense of control and that that becomes, um you know, can raise their dopamine and um and be reinforcing and they can um, really uh you know like that is what they want to do, and, and that's the one thing that they want to do where they feel in control and, they, you know, and successful. And so on some level, you can understand, you know, what attracts them to it, and um, you know, to some extent, it is um, healthy or healthier than, um you know, some other other, uh, like an eating disorder, although often those girls who exercise can sometimes get into restricting their food in a, a, in a somewhat anorexic way. Um, so, it's a, again, it's about that rigidity. And, um, you know, when they become rigid about any one of these uh, behaviors um, and you know, sort of addictive in terms of what it does to their brains, it's a cause for concern. So, um, yes, that is another way that. Uh, very often that, that um, girls will express this um, this need to
0: raise their dopamine, but it also has its downside. Well, we've got uh, Raven, who has a 14-year-old daughter, and her daughter doesn't want to accept that she has ADHD, and she certainly doesn't want to accept that she needs help. How can Raven help her daughter understand that this is all right? Some people have ADHD, and sometimes you need help.
1: This is a very common um, scenario. Um, and what I suggest to people is that there is very little reason um, to actually label HD. Um, 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 the main reason to really give it a, a label is if you need to get accommodation in school and they require uh, a, diagnosis, a diagnosis that has a name. Otherwise, I think it's far preferable to describe um, ADD, and rather describe, here are, the, here are the things that are easy for you, here are the things that are more difficult for you, and then, you know, here's your friend, and these are the things that are easier for her and more difficult for her, so that, you know, this is easier for you, this is hard for her, and to just understand their own strengths and weaknesses, and to understand, you know, okay, uh, don't like going into uh store or a huge party, because that's really overwhelming, and prefer talking to someone you know, one-on-one, whatever it is, helping them be able to identify uh, what's uh, comfortable for their brain and what's hard for their brain, um, and, um, you know, without labeling it as a disorder, um, and you know, getting to know themselves and how they can best work with their brain is what, whether it has a label or not, that's what you're going to learn to do since you can't change the wiring. Um, So, um, you know, if it's done in a sort of, uh, I think that that tends to make uh, girls less defensive because since conformity and your relationships are everything, the idea of being identified as uh, different even though they feel different, um, it's the last thing they want to hear. So um, if, you know, they want to know that everybody struggles with something and that, you know, this is just something that's harder for for you and uh, I'll help you learn to uh, deal with it. And, you know, at some point in the future that, you know, they may feel less defensive and more like they want to hear about it. Uh, but that's often the best way in is
0: I found this question now comes from Deborah, and she was wondering if ADHD medicines affect symptoms differently in girls rather than boys, and is there a difference in how in the effectiveness of the medications
1: Well actually the answer is yes, and uh, you know a lot of this is very um, basis of current research, but um, we are finding that uh, even stimulants, which, uh, you know, were thought to be, you uh, know, function pretty much the same every day for everyone, um, that because of the interaction with estrogen, uh, stimulants don't work as well when there's very uh, low estrogen levels, and like that uh, week before periods uh, period. And, um, you know, there, there are very few doctors who get this. But some actually will uh, slightly raise the level um, during that week in order to accommodate that. Um, you know, we talked about the birth control pills as another way of, of managing that, um, and that it's yet the fact that um, girls um, and women in general tend to, because there's there's so many internalized uh, psychological issues of, you know, anxiety and depression that we talked about, they are often on some combination of, uh, uh, a stimulant and maybe some sort of SSRI or well-butin or something like that. Um, again, I don't, I don't subscribe, but I, I, that often those secondary symptoms some sort of uh, treatment, not always, uh, but I think they can see that combination much more often with uh, girls
0: and women. Our last question now comes from Tammy and it's a good question to wrap us up with. She was wondering can you offer some sort of light at the end of the tunnel? You've talked a lot about ADHD in girls and how it affects them in, in negative ways and difficult ways and she was wondering when does it get better? What is that light?
1: what I do in, in my practice and that this is basically what what we can change. We can't change brain wiring, but we can um can change what you see when you look out your window. In other words, your view of yourself uh relative to the world. So it it's about um an acceptance of the self and there's a lot of great things about well I mean, there is disagreement about this, but um A D D people often have strengths um in terms of uh an interesting uh, of and sort of a, a novel vision of things. I mean a lot of, you know, artists and musicians and inventors and entrepreneurs have A D D because they're willing to and, or their brains insist on them, um, thinking outside of the box. There's And basically it's about embracing the fact that this is how your brain works and these are the uh, creative solutions that you come up with and that you march to a different drummer and that that's not a, a bad thing and conforming is not necessary or healthy. Um, and to remember that... Uh, well-behaved women seldom make history. That's an, a quote that's out there. Um, and that, um, you know, to sort of accept um, they are rather than hiding and feeling that they need to adjust for other people. Um, and um, that, because it is, uh, it are the, it's those feelings of um, shame and uh, demoralization and feeling not good enough that are the things that um, that make girls end up with the negative outcomes that I talked about. So it's really about um, um, creating a sense of self that uh, where they feel good about themselves. In fact, there's research that says that one of the um, one of the things best things that you can do um, is to instill in girls a belief of uh, that they can succeed in school. But that is is a really valuable thing. So that's not at all like you can get them the best tutors and make sure that they um, get the highest scores, but it's it's about them believing that um, they have the potential to be able to do what they want to do. And again, that is really research supporting that idea that if you feel... um, confidence that you can have an impact in the world, and it can be on your own terms, that's about as good as it gets. And ADD will not stand in the way of that. It's really about the messages that you give them about themselves, and that's why your job is so important. Right. Well,
0: thank you, Dr. Littman. I think your insights and your comments and the answers to your questions have been very helpful to our parents today, to our participants today. And I know a few people have asked again the title of your book, so if you'd like to share the title of your book with us one more time.
1: yep, yeah. um, is Understanding Girls with ADHD. And uh, it, just came, it was published in the uh, second edition. Um, and so it has, we first, published in 1999, um, it was written with uh, Patricia Quinn and Kathleen Nadeau, and uh, there was really no research on girls when we wrote that, and so now there's 15 years of research that uh, we are happy to say supports everything that we had uh, really uh, seen in our clinical work then.
0: Thank you again, Dr. Littman, for being with us. Our audience, thank you very much. And this concludes our webcast.